Good morning, Resurrection. My name is Trey Adams, and I am a missionary with uh, Mission to the World, serving in Bangkok, Thailand, currently in my kitchen in Macon, Georgia. wish we could be with you today, as we had originally planned, but hey, that's life in the pandemic. Uh, but it is so good to, uh, to be with you and to share God's Word with you this morning, and I'm thankful for this opportunity um, we're going to be looking at Psalm 46 this morning, one of these classic, great passages for times such as these. Uh, so if you would, go ahead and turn in the scriptures to that passage, Psalm 46, and let me pray to open up our time. Father, thank you so much for your promised presence, that not only were you with the Old Testament people of God constantly, Uh, Not only did you send Jesus, but you have sent your Holy Spirit to dwell in us eternally. And um, you have promised that we will be with you and that you will be with us. So we pray that you would open our hearts and open our eyes and open our ears as we listen to and meditate on your word this morning. We ask all this in your name. Amen. So let's read together Psalm 46. Starting with verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth gives way, that the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, the earth, or he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. You know, many commentators actually uh, refer to at least verses 1, 7, and 11 as a confession. You know, if you're not familiar with confessions or creeds, uh, if you're not from the Reformed background, Presbyterian background, um, really, we use them a lot. You should, you should uh, get to know them a bit. They're, they're useful, they're helpful, they're encouraging. And a couple of things they do, or a few things they do, they connect people of diverse backgrounds and time periods and, and nationalities and political affiliations even, um, they connect us. The second thing they do is they tie us to history. You know, uh, creeds and confessions stand the test of time if they're good. Uh, they don't just communicate temporal, cultural truths, but they, they, they communicate eternal truth if they're good ones. Um, they assure us. They assure us Like Heidelberg assures us, Christian, what is your only hope in life and death? 
that I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That is encouragement. That is assurance. That's what they do. That's what they're meant to do. And lastly, they proclaim. You know, a confession or a creed proclaims the beliefs of a group of people. It, it, it either draws a line in the sand or and, and or it invites outsiders to come in. And I believe it does both. Um, I think it's helpful for us to see Psalm 46 as a sort of confession, but better than Heidelberg, better than Westminster and Nicaea, all these great encouraging catechisms and creeds and confessions. This is a God-given, God-inspired confession. So as we look at it this morning, we need to realize this is a confession that God gave us to sing, to pray, to cry, to meditate on together. That this is ours. That, um, that with the people of God from, from ages past until ages future, we can sing this and pray this and, and live this. So as we look at this passage, I want us to think about three things. One is the shape of our confession. The second one is the reason for our confession. And the third one is the hope of our confession. So let's start with the, uh, the shape of our confession. And we're going to start with verses 1, 7, and 11 that kind of hold the, the psalm together. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. If you will, think about a Big Mac and the bun on a Big Mac. You, know, you have that top, and, and don't act like you haven't eaten a, a Big Mac. Everybody loves Big Macs. But the top bun with the sesame seeds, that's verse 1. Then there's the middle one and the bottom one. They're the same kind of bun. Uh, that's like verse 7 and 11. These verses, like the bun on a Big Mac, they hold together. They surround. They kind of hem in and thematically unify the entire psalm. So let's look at how that happens. The first thing we see is that these verses, or this confession, is a corporate confession. You know, a lot of psalms, a lot of scriptures written by an individual, to an individual, for individuals, and that's valid, that's good. But this psalm draws us together in unity. It draws all the people of God into the same refuge. It says, this is our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So it's from the bat, from, from right off the bat, it is corporate. It calls a group of us to say, we are the weak, needy, desperate sinners who have found refuge in God alone. Secondly, it's rooted in relationship. In this passage, we see in verse 7 and 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. Now, Lord of hosts, Yahweh of armies, basically, is what that is. It's a military term. So it's saying this warrior king, this great God who fights for us is also with us. The Lord of hosts stands with us, is present to us. 
And, and he goes even further with the next line, the God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Jacob, it, it, is, it is so hyper-relational because it's so covenantal. It is saying this covenant-making, covenant-keeping God who has a track, track record from way back, he is your protection. He is your refuge. He is your fortress. So not only is this confession a corporate one, but it's a relational one. It's not dusty, dry theology, but it is based in the presence of, the eminence of our King. Third, this is a confession for real life. You know, when I started meditating on this passage and thinking about what I would preach, um, I realized just how precious this particular psalm is for any of us who are living in the dark. And this has been a tough, what, 10 months now? A tough 10 or 12 months with political issues, with pandemic, with all that comes with those things. This has been a tough time. You know, the surrounding verses, verses 2 and 3, it mentions the mountains being swallowed up by the sea. The, but though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, the mountains were a symbol of security and peace and strength. And the sea was a symbol of chaos in the ancient Near East. So the, the, the writer is saying, what if everything goes wrong? I mean, he's talking nightmare catastrophic, worst-case scenario kind of language here. And he's saying, in the midst of that, in the midst of real life, you know, the diagnosis, the phone call that wrecks everything, uh, the relational issues, the, the economic disasters that mean we can't retire when we want to, or that ruins us financially. He's saying, in the midst of those things, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He is with us. He is for us. He's saying in all of this, God is still keeping covenant. That's good news. Second, let's look at the reason for our confession. In verse 4 it says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. So in the midst of chaos or possible chaos or coming chaos, verses four and five give us this little oasis of rest. And that rest, the reason that we're confessing this psalm, the reason for our confession is this, God is with us. God is with us. One of the most immediate and obvious reasons for our confession is that, and we've already mentioned this, that God is near his people, his nearness, his eminence. You see, this is the heart of biblical faith. This is all throughout the scriptures. It's kind of who he is, it's what he does. He draws near to his people. You think about in Exodus when the people of God were crying out to God because of their slavery. And it says God heard their groaning 
He remembered his covenant with Abraham. He saw the people of Israel and God knew. God was present. God was there. In the Psalms, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. In Isaiah, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. In Zephaniah, this amazing passage, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He's the God who is with us. And this is what we see throughout the Old Testament, this divine warrior king who wants to draw, who longs to draw near to his people and does so again and again despite their rebellion. And then, and then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the, 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 the culmination of Old Testament theology of the nearness of God. This is glory. This is Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So when we read, there is a river who makes glad the city of God, we recognize that God himself is that river that stream that satisfies us. When we read about the city of God, we rejoice in the presence of God himself because that always means for his people, it always means safety, protection, salvation, and a love that will not let you go. This is what that means. And the second part of the reason for our confession is is something we don't, probably don't meditate on enough, and that's God's providence. You know, in Westminster, it says, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. And Heidelberg actually adds, he does this by his fatherly hand. Let me tell you a personal story of this. Back in 2017, we moved to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and started to partner with a Thai national to plant uh, a new church in Chiang Mai. And we wanted to plant a gospel-centered, missional church there in the heart of the city. And it seemed like we had everything in place and God was blessing it. We were seeing people come to faith. And then about a year in, we discovered a lot of things about our pastor um, that gave us pause and that worried us. And then we started discovering more things and realized he can't be our pastor. Well, at that point, when um, we took him out of his position, he started opposing me personally in, in public and um, eventually threatened legal action against me. And um, one of my life goals is to never go to prison in Thailand. And so uh, it worried me. I mean, it, we, we were watching all of our work crumble. We were seeing a very realistic possibility that I was going to go to prison. Because Thais who accuse foreigners always win those cases. Um, and so I got a call from a lawyer um, in, on, a, on a Friday afternoon, and he said, this man has done this before. Um, if you stand before a Thai judge and a Thai jury and a Thai court being accused by a Thai, you will lose this case, and there's a good chance that you will go to jail. He said, I would go home if I were you and um, wait this out. And so about 36 hours later, we were on our way to Atlanta, heartbroken 
and wondering, what is God doing? What are you doing, God? And I didn't know. I mean, I did at the time I didn't know. But since then, I've been able to meditate on God's providence. He was teaching me about his providence. He was touching nerves of idolatry and cutting cancers of unbelief in me that would never been rooted out in good times and comfortable times. And so as a Presbyterian minister of the gospel, I love the doctrine of providence, but not like that. I want it comfortable. I want it easy. And uh, But Psalm 46 says, you're going to have real life, but I'm going to be with you. And even when life gets hard, even when the darkness closes, and even when your life crumbles, I'm there. I'm with you. That's the reason for our confession. We serve a God who holds everything in his hand, whose providence, whose sovereignty rules over all, and who will care for us, and who will fashion us and refashion us, as Luther said. So let's go to the hope of our confession. And there's two, two commands with a promise. And I'm going to go through this very quickly, but the first one is, Come, behold. In verse 8, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. This is an invitation for the world, for all of us, to all who confess him, to see history rightly. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. If you're wondering why, what's going on in my life? Why are things the way they are? I'd ask you to come and behold Jesus. Come and behold the works of God. Look outward to God. Look at the works, the mighty works of God. Look inward to the buttons he's pressing, to the idols that he's messing with in your life. Look forward. This is eschatological. This is, this is future. It says God will make wars to cease. He will bring peace. Look to Christ for refuge. Look only to God for refuge. I just read a quote from Keller where he said, we can find refuge in Christ, but we can't find refuge from Christ. This is the kind of God we serve. Refuge is only in Him. We must look to Him for that. And then the the last command with a promise here is, be still. When we're thinking about the hope of our confession, as we sing and pray and cry, Psalm 46, the command is, be still and know that I am God. When we were going through the junk that happened in Thailand last year, and we didn't know whether I would be in prison, we didn't know, we didn't know what was going to happen. This passage, I think, kept me sane, and it reminded me, be still, stop. Take your hands off. Relax your grip. This isn't your battle. And If I had time, I would quote the song, the great song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He must win the battle. 
So Christian, let us rejoice that we have such a great hope, that we have such a great confession. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Let us look to him. Let us behold him, behold Jesus, who is our refuge and strength. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your truth, for your word, for the way that you lead us, for the way that you care for us, for the refuge you give us. Help us to be still. Help us to get still in you. Help us to look to you for refuge and help us to rest in you. In Christ's name, amen.